this is Voyager time. I have an idea. I'll just stay in my quarters for the rest of the trip. I'll just relax and read, eat the ship's food, use the ship's energy, all in the comforts of my own room. Why, Mr. Suter will sweep me off my feet and take me to the farthest corner of Ooh, where we will do nothing but kiss and eat a whole bunch until we get fat and die. I'm Andrew, and with me today is... Sarah. Ben. I'm Nathan. Today we're talking about Voyager Season 2, Episode 16, Meld. Crewman Lon Suter, played by Brad Dorif, murders an engineering crewman for no apparent reason. Tuvok mind melds with him to ascertain his motive, but it causes him to become aggressive. The Voyager has fired five of its 38 photon torpedoes, and so far, there is no evidence that Neelix can read. Uh, Weak start for an episode that turned out great. I Mm. was so confused by the entire Harry and Tom subplot. It, something mm-hmm. to do. it was the start of the episode and it did nothing for the entire thing it was essentially a harmless thing that they were doing as well like well, i don't know if i'd call it harmless but what essentially pl- like playing dice or and shit just like doing some harmless gambling of things that they don't actually need well tom was cheating them well yeah tom's tom was basically <laughs> grifting the rest of the crew yeah and taking a cut on top of it yeah i mean that that's how bookies work though I, no I that's know. how they make i don't money. think i don't i know but that's i think that's the part that they don't condone and yeah <laughs> bookies famously wanted in society fair famously good to have on a confined ship that has to go somewhere for 75 years yeah and everyone has to get along for that entire time although i tell you what i would love to see the version of star trek that would involve the mob forming on the ship yeah it was just so meaningless to anything like if we're gonna have a B plot, have some like purpose to it, like any sort of like character stuff or Yeah. A, like what a, were we supposed to anything. get character wise about Tom from that? That he's greedy? A shitty <laughs> like shitty shitty? Didn't we just have this big We already experience? knew all this. We already like knew learning. all this about Tom. They have they had an opportunity to continue on from the last episode where he had this revelation at the end where maybe I can find happiness inside myself and then this is what he's doing in the next immediately episode. in the next episode <laughs> something shady and just yeah is this one of those situations where they wrote this episode before he'd had his revelation and so like the character development is all out of whack very maybe. possible. I didn't see anything about that in the development. Everybody was just talking about how great Brad Dorif was. Brad Dorif, by the way. Isn't it Dorif? No, I looked it up. It's Dorif. I'll trust you. I think it's pronounced Wormtongue. Yeah, he's Grimma Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings. Great actor. Great actor. I didn't recognize him at first, and I had noted earlier in my notes that he was very Smeagol-esque, and then later I'm like, oops, nope, wrong Lord of the Rings character. Yeah. (laughs) those movies are like perfectly cast but he's got such good like like slimy squishiness about him it just makes you uncomfortable <laughs> and then he's got those like totally black betazoid eyes mm-hmm. black like a shark's eyes mm-hmm. i was very creeped out by those eyes and then i was like are they just is are his entire eyes black and then i was like oh wait, it's just the pupil but still very very creepy it was very good I think it's a weird makeup effect overall to have them be regular people except to have totally black eyes because it doesn't read well on an SD television. Right. That's fair. It worked. It worked on the it worked a little bit better now, but this episode had a lot of super tight close ups, which were really interesting because I after having watched WandaVision where they take the format of the 50s and 60s and 70s TV shows. And then we'll just do really subtle things to change the, the format of that in really unsettling ways. Like, it'll be the classic, like, 
sort of proscenium view into the set, and then they'll just have like the an inside the set view where you can like see Wanda's face really closely. And they did that a lot in this too, where it's like the sort of standard setup shot reverse shot that they do in Star Trek, and then they'll just be like intercut these super tight close-ups on Lon's face or or Janeway's face, and it makes it really unsettling the entire way through. Uh, I really liked that we got like a tuvok centered episode and he tim rice just got his time to shine in this episode he He did did. really really well killed it that was legitimately terrifying to watch it was really scary Mm -hmm. yeah tuvok with the like the filter off was like you said so scary and i was legit going thinking to myself like I don't think a force field could re- realistically hold him, hold him back, or like, there's just a lot of like different points where it's just like Tuvok could just get out of this and hurt someone. Yeah, yeah. Tim Russ really sells it too. Did I say Tim Rice? Who was Tim Rice? <laughs> <laughs> I was so prepared to be disappointed by this episode. And then it just really delivered on the concept. I did not expect it to go in the direction it did, but for once I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was going to be more about Lon Suter and just sort of him being weird and creepy. Uh, but I really, and like uh, the sort of the immovable object versus the unstoppable force kind of thing between the, the, the guy who has no emotions and the guy who's totally emotional, Lon or whatever like that. But it just was like this really interesting because Lon Suter is not an unhinged guy, right? He's like, the entire time, he's like totally in control of himself. And that makes him so much scarier. But like, Tuvok is as well. So, like, they're these sort of like weird mirrors of each other. Mm-hmm. They, they, they got into that in a really cool way. I think that's why them joining their, like, having the mind meld really fucked up Tuvok and helped Suter in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Because because they had that like commonality in their in how they like think and how they kind of, how their brains kind of work, it gave it gave Suter that place of like control that he kind of needed. And then it gave Tuvok that the opening to his emotions that he definitely apparently does not need because he was so unprepared for. Yeah. It like he was unprepared for the emotions and it all just kind of flowed out at like it was the dam breaking it was everything yeah. coming out at once and it was scary i'm glad that he had the foresight uh when he first went back to his room after talking to Suter, being like or having that first outbreak of emotion being like uh computer please lock down my room and delete my mm-hmm. security clearance <laughs> so that i cannot get out and contact mm-hmm. contact the uh, captain and let her know. Yeah, I think it's really um like the reason it was so upsetting cuz like it, the whole thing with Tuvok obviously he's a Vulcan so he doesn't have emotions but like the fact that just because of his Vulcanness when he has this literally like two and a half minute time frame they have like a countdown going for him having this you know outburst behind the force field it's so unsettling even though it's just like a couple of minutes Mm -hmm. and it's like it that's why it was so scary like in the timeline i I just thought that was like a really cool way to show like you know the damage that he could do potentially in that short amount of time Mm -hmm. like what would happen if he got out 
yeah, it's that, and because he's so, it's not unhinged. It's so motivated by what he's saying. It just is so like, it's like logic and emotion ah, mixed together in a really way, a scary way. Because like, he believes so intensely that he's right about what he's doing that he's it seems logical to him to do anything to accomplish his goal which is Mm. it kind of goes back to the first episode where tuvok tells chakotay like logic can be used to justify any number of things in any number of ways yeah Mm -hmm. and absolutely you know vulcan minds being so logical adding in emotion and all of a sudden they have something in particular that they want to go towards and uh that logic can be wielded as a pretty terrifying weapon not to mention his like constant anger that he could not control right because like that's always there the reason that vulcans like believe the have the system that they do with logic is that their emotions are like extremely strong if they let them get out and so this was just like seeing, like it was obviously influenced by uh, Lon's the mind meld, but I think it it was more like unleashing what was kind of one of like the aspect of him that he bottles up, you know, which is why I think it's yeah. funny that uh, he goes to the holodeck and fantasizes about killing Neelix. <laughs> oh God, that w- that was cathartic and then also very unsettling for for some reason. I was like, yeah. oh God. Like, he designed a hologram program, holodeck program, specifically to do that. So that's in the system of Voyager's ship. Anybody could go in there and do that at any time if they felt like it. Yep. Did you think that was, uh, like, a catharsis room? Because I saw it as a test. Like, he was, like, putting himself in the most stressful situation he could think he would regularly encounter on the ship. And then seeing how he would respond to it. I think it was a catharsis thing because it seemed like after that was when he went to Suter again and said that he he thought that they could like go through a a path of like potentially uh like controlling his outbursts and st- uh, a few options and then or there there was some point around that that he said it I don't remember if it was before or after but it seemed like that was the intention of like here's an opportunity to allow for a safe outburst in the uh in the holodeck that Will no, won't harm anybody else on the ship. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. That read is, it, it works for me too. I was totally taken in by this when it happened. I was like, wow, is he really just doing this to Neelix? Like, there's going to be hell to pay for this later. And then it was yeah. like holodeck over. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. I think it could have been both, like a test and just trying to yeah. get the feelings out. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that I thought before when Lon was like, yeah, I killed him. Cause I just felt like it and that was just uh you know, I needed to do it. So I did it mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I was like, why wouldn't he just go into the holodeck and just like do some murders there if he needed to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it's not the same, I guess. <laughs> I guess it's mm-hmm. not like good enough to, you know, get that feeling out mm-hmm. for this scenario. So Maybe this will make me sound like a psychopath, but I think for in his situation, the thrill of it is like knowing it's a real person, right? Like it's not knowing that it's a that it's a fake person doesn't have the same excitement to it as snuffing out a real life. Hi, I'm very friendly in person. <laughs> <laughs>
So we talked about this concept of being on report, and they actually right. addressed it in this right. episode, which literally just means filling out reports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of paperwork that goes into flying a starship. I guess. The digital paperwork. Well, you'd think it'd be all like automated for the most part, but... Someone's got to make sure that those dilithium tanks are being filled or whatever. What was that guy's job in the last couple episodes? I don't know. That He was in this episode again. He was doing more than just that, it seemed like. Yeah. Oh, was he? Some, something, something nacelles. It's always nacelles. Do you know that nacelles are a real part, or like a real thing? A part of a real thing? A yeah, part of like a real boat or whatever. I, I always thought it was a, uh, a Star Trek invention, but no, they're like a real thing. It's just something that you want to keep away from the main body of a vehicle. The more you know. <laughs> so, like, you've seen, like, on a on a on an airplane, you got yeah. the engines under the wings. Each one of those is housed in a little nacelle. It's it's something that you want to keep away from the body of the actual vehicle. I just thought that was neat. I yeah. always thought mm-hmm. it was a made up Star Trek thing, and it turns out, no, real thing. Uh, this episode really, I think, for me, demonstrated how great of an actor Tim Russ is. It is so easy to just think about Vulcans as being flat and monotone, but like the difference between his emotive performance and his regular Vulcan performance is not as extreme as you expected, and it's because you realize that he's like every time he's delivering a line, like it's the his pauses, his face, like the different levels he furrows his eyebrows, little inflection changes, like he's delivering a lot, so you know what's going on internally with Tuvok. Uh, when he's just like doing his regular Vulcan stuff, he's such a good actor. Like this is this is amazing work. Yeah, yeah. The... Even just that first scene with Neelix, like just how he so subtly, how he so subtly, inter- like has that interaction. But like, yeah, you do know like exactly. Like you could create the dialogue that's going through his head just by these you know subtle things that he's doing. Yeah, there it there's a gif of Neelix making him smile. Yeah, and you can see this moment where like his eyes go a little wide and his his brow clenches just a little bit and like okay that's it like that's the mm-hmm. moment that he just loses it mm-hmm. and you can just see him pr- like planning how he's gonna beat the shit in Neelix after that mm-hmm. he's so good <laughs> the the fact that the when uh, he when Tuvok explodes and like the acting and the the way that he's yelling and all of, all of that emotionful Tuvok is being acted and it still reads as Tuvok and not like yeah another character I think is like kind of what really sold it for me it didn't feel like another another uh, a separate character it felt like Tuvok but real fucking mad and yeah you just like turn the gain up on Tuvok and this is what you get yeah exactly well I was just confused when they were talking about like what to do with uh Suter. Uh at one point they're like, Okay, you know, like we like do we keep him in the in the brig? And Janeway is like, I don't think it would be appropriate for him to stay in the brig for the rest of our trip. Why would that be inappropriate if he if he just did a murder? Because they have to babysit him that whole time. I mean, I guess theoretically they'd have to do that anyway, but like if he's in his quarters, he can get food and feed himself and stuff instead of them having to bring him stuff and Is it cruel and unusual punishment to lock a man in a cell by himself for 75 years? Probably. But I mean, how much interaction is he going to get if he's just in his quarters? Yeah, the difference between the brig and his quarters in this situation seems like 
you're splitting hairs. Like yeah, you might as well just I let suppose. him stay, and then you don't have to like walk him to the bathroom or whatever when he mm-hmm. needs to go. <laughs> like yeah, sure. Well, why would they need to walk him to the bathroom? The te- the transporter already gets the poop right out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Could do that from anywhere in the ship. Have we discussed how? Okay. So I, the more I think about it, the more I realize that the only really good explanation for poop and pee in Star Trek is that the transporter handles it for him, right? Because like mm-hmm. when they got these jumpsuits on, do they have little flaps in the back? Can we talk about this? They have snaps. They can go poopy. Like what? What's going on <laughs> back there? I would honestly be surprised if we haven't had this exact conversation <laughs> the thing is they have to go fully naked they have to take off the whole thing yeah you know? well yeah like down mm-hmm. to the knees at least right right it's like it's like wearing a romper mm-hmm. they use the poop and turn it into food oh that's right mm-hmm. well like it's, the transporter could still be doing that that is what it's doing it transports yeah. it into whatever the uh no, our original thing was that it transports it out their body oh yeah yeah space. fair revising that a little bit it transports it to wherever the replicator gets the material the matter that it needs to create with replicator rations what does the replicator use then if it's not poop yes all the time matter no it's it's a supplement does it take a couple weeks for a brand new starship to get up and ready to go (laughs) gotta fill those tanks up i don't know i assume that when they're in the when they're working on the ship they got They have the workers <laughs> the going workers on there and using the poo. They're like going to the bathroom on the ship, and then it starts going that way. Either it's that, or they take a big shipment of poop from a planet and just a giant shit battery. I like the the, the idea that it's the lead engineer of the ship, or like the shipbuilding processes. Everyone's like, "Come on, we need to get the ship up in the air." <laughs> <laughs> more beans people more, more beans. beans more blueberries Everyone. <laughs> has everybody had enough coffee today <laughs> i do also like the idea of like batteries made of shit coming up from earth or whatever no, planet i don't they're like on. that idea i don't like that idea <laughs> you don't like you you don't want to see a giant double a battery floating through space God. and knowing that on the inside there's just a whole <laughs> bunch of poop and pee <laughs> copper top filled with shit yep well, it's just they—it's just they have a specific shuttle for that. It's just the poo shuttle that they. Just, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's what Lower Decks is about. Is it actually? No. The poo shuttle. <laughs> no, but that is the kind of thing that they would talk about on that show. That's what my Lower Deck is about. <laughs> there it is. Um. So the the whole gambling thing was very weird, but I did enjoy like the moment, like, oh, Dad's here when Chakotay walks into the the holodeck. Mm-hmm. Just a good moment. I don't know. That felt that made, to me that made the whole subplot even less impactful. It's like, all right, everybody's just losing this now. I guess. Yep. Just, this was entirely useless. I mean, I guess in terms of like character development and stuff, there wasn't really a lot there. But I think that in general, this episode was kind of like a slice of life episode. Mm. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Tuvok is dealing with mind. like. Well, like dealing with a a security related thing that would be mm-hmm. normal for his job. I mean, it sucks that it was a murder, obviously, mm-hmm. but you know, it's just uh, he, he's getting a character development mm-hmm. stuff, right. like a plot from that. Right. It's outside the normal formula of 
oh, here's some more weird aliens we have to learn to deal with, and then right. it'll be resolved, and we'll never see them again. Yeah, I think the bleep B plot was just like, what's everybody else up to on this like relatively like normal, not normal, but like low key. Today. Yeah, like this is all about Tuvok. It was for once, it wasn't one that involved the entire crew. Right, it wasn't a ship wide emergency at that point. Downtime. Mm-hmm. Downtime. That was the word I was looking for, and you guys kept interrupting me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like the rest of the crew isn't dealing with this murder. Like that's just Tuvok and Janeway. Really, everybody else is just kind of you know it's business as usual, and they're just like we don't. For once, we're not running away from Kazan <laughs> or dealing with whatever. Like. And I, I mean, you know, after the last episode, I think Tom kind of deserves a, a, a little break, you know? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, circling back to, like, it being Tuvok and uh, Janeway, that moment dirt, when they have activated or, like, let Tuvok up without his emo- or with his emotions, and he threatens the doctor, and the doctor's oh, yeah. like, oh, you can't hurt me. I'm a hologram. And he goes, yes, I can. I can delete your ass. <laughs> I can just fucking remove you from the ship. And yeah. then the doctor's realization of, oh, he he, he could yeah. do that. Uh-oh. But, I mean, could, didn't he not have, um like, clearance anymore at that point? That's what I was wondering. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't remember if, I don't know if it was clear to the doctor whether or not that was the yeah, case. Maybe. And also, like, it is, it was still, like, a shock to the doctor because he is reminded, yeah. oh, I'm, not entirely like they can't harm me i'm I'm not impervious to them if they really right. wanted to they could do something mm-hmm. yeah it was he finally had a brush with mortality even if it was through like the equivalent of a tiger jumping at a wall in a zoo right it was yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is for him it was still like enough of a shock like hey i'd be mm-hmm. scared at that too when they didn't know if they were gonna be able to fix it either right i mean we all everybody like you know, no, that it's going to be mm-hmm. fine because it's Star Trek and everything's always fine by the end of the episode. But they didn't know. They're like, for all we know, this could be something that he deals with forever. And we yeah, just have right. to deal with him dealing with it forever. Yeah, that was, there were two things I didn't like about this episode. The first was that it was that. It was that that second mind meld came at like the four minute mark. So I was like, okay, obviously this is going to be the one that fixes things because I know they're not going to just leave him like this for the rest yeah. of the series. Uh, the other thing I didn't like was when they were investigating Lon right at the very beginning and they did that DNA check. Uh-huh. And the doctor was like, oh, we checked his neuropsychological markers, whatever. So I mean, he doesn't have bipolar disorder. So we know he's not insane. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, I didn't like Implying that, that mm-hmm. yeah, if you have bipolar disorder, like you are insane and also psychotic and going to murder people. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was real bad. Not great. Yeah, if they hadn't included that, it would have been... If they had had some other way to indicate whether or not he was actually, you know, not entirely there, sure, that, that, that did not feel great. Yeah, I don't know what that was. That was weird. It was a incredible misunderstanding of mental illness by the writers, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you start poking that hole too much and you get into eugenics shit real quick. I mean, I don't want to say that it was completely faultless. It was still about 30 years ago at this point that they were, we've, we've grown a lot as, as a culture but like it's still they still could have done a little bit better for sure i would be remiss not pointing it out in 2021 absolutely 100 mm-hmm. percent. yeah uh, i i have a question for all of you though uh is there any 
can you think of anybody that you would feel comfortable doing a mind meld with if you could? Yeah, um, yeah, my wife. I, I think I'd do it with my wife. No. Nathan, I've got Allison's phone number right here. Do you want me to tell her that you're having a hard time thinking about this one? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I don't know if I would do do that with Nicole. Why? I'm curious. Like it, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I want to put the burden of what's going on in my head onto <laughs> Allison. That yeah, like that's part of it. It's like Well, so they didn't really explain it in this episode, but mind melds are literally you get everything that's in there like everything like you know everything that they know and think and feel while it's happening and then that stays in with you on some level and like not always on a level that's going to turn you into <laughs> the what Tuvok <laughs> had in this episode but like in next generation Picard and Sarek have a mind meld Spock's dad and they and that is like a huge thing they like make it this is one of the things that's interesting to me because now mind melds and other shows are used as like just a like plot device but in that show it was literally like this huge event like a big decision that they had mm-hmm. to so right and then like in discovery so how many times have they done mind meld already yeah well i can't even remember like the, there's a mind meld at the very beginning like there's a couple that brings a couple like it's an important plot device there but it is shown, it's like portrayed as being like uh, an impactful thing, like the connection between Sarek and Michael. But I mean, like, even Tuvok's done three different mind melds at this point in the series because he did one with Kess early on, too. Uh, His protege. Yeah. Yeah, but like, that couldn't have been very much. Like, she's only two. She's There's two. not <laughs> a lot there. You know, fair. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> That was prop. That's like mind melding with a little baby. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I I don't. I would not do it. Yeah, I don't think I would with anybody ever. Well, I can't. I don't know what would happen in the future, but of anybody that I know now, no. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Yeah, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't discount it. But at the moment, I'm not. I'm not comfortable saying yes. Like even with my wife, (laughs) there's. You know, like Sarah said, it's just everything. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think there's, like, anything that about me that Allison doesn't already know, but it's, like, when you have to, like, deal with, like, when you're doing the mind meld, you're getting not just, like, the knowledge of it, you're getting all of, like, the emotional impact and weight of those things as well. Yeah. Yeah, it would just be, it would just be hard. And, I mean, I have trust issues. <laughs> I'm not married, so I don't have to worry. I'm not, like... Oh, would I? No, because I don't have that kind of a relationship right now. So it's like ten years of therapy in thirty seconds, whether or not you want it. <laughs> yeah, it's ten years of therapy, or you know, ten years of things going absolutely horrible, <laughs> depending on <laughs> depending on what happens. Like you don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably do it. I'd probably do it. It's a tough question. I don't know. Yeah, like I'm not saying I would avoid it if it was a critically necessary thing no you put on some al green you have a couple of drinks you get a mind meld out of the way boom that's your <laughs> thing. my god no i feel comfortable doing it with my wife whether or not she'd feel comfortable doing it with me is an entirely different <laughs> you thing. should ask her I, sh- I-, I will find out and report back we can include it at the end of the show can we talk about how uh you like neelix that wasn't in the hologram oh my god was being a big shithead about oh i was so culture. oh 
where he's basically viewing like their ancient you know tradition as just like a, a big old orgy yeah you mean that and part? something that they don't do anymore <laughs> uh-huh. yeah and that was making <laughs> Tupac extremely uncomfortable and he just was like it'd be fun if they, if everyone wants to just run around naked in the food court basically then that'd be cool i'll cook things with lots of fat in it and then we, everybody can just grease themselves up from that yeah and neelix is an hr nightmare and no one is acknowledging that on this show mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's so much about that I don't want to say that it was evidence that he could read because he could have just been watching YouTube videos on this essentially. <laughs> but mm-hmm. he did say he was gonna he did say he was doing research. He fell right. down to the alt right in YouTube hole. The computer reads it to them. Oh, that is that's a good point. Right. You don't need to know how to read to listen to an audiobook. That's that's mm-hmm. a good point. It's the closest we've had to Neelix being able to read so far. Oh, I disagree. It's the only I- chance. I assumed that this was something that he had just heard about, like in his travels or whatever. And the reason why he got the date wrong is because he doesn't know how to read a calendar. How would he have heard about Vulcan stuff in the Delta Quadrant? They know about the Alpha Quadrant. Presumably, there's been some people who come over before, right? They know no. about cultures in the Alpha Quadrant. Are you sure about that? Haven't they referenced them before? Well, okay, they referenced the Klingons in that one episode, but it didn't make sense then either. <laughs> but it's canonical. Uh-huh. They had that one. Uh, they had tattoo and that one episode, and I don't think any of those are, you know, great examples. Of... Well, and like I think that the in the episode with the guy who gets his face stolen, the guy who gets when, his face. Oh my god, yes, that one. Oh yeah, when, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. That's when they're like, we heard the Klingons are so. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's whatever, right. Whatever, a heart, like using a their hearty DNA, species, but or... like. I, the implication I thought in that episode was that they had heard about it because Bolana was half Klingon, and somehow they had, yeah. like, learned about it because of her. I don't know how they would have gotten like. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It does like, but I don't think that they know about Vulcans in at least to that level in the Delta Quadrant. Maybe you're right. So I think he did ask the computer to read him some Wikipedia articles about ancient Vulcan orgy holidays and tried to make Tuvok talk about it with him in front of everyone and then he leaves because he's uncomfortable and Neelix keeps shouting about how he wants everyone to run around naked in there. I'm like Neelix this is not appropriate behavior and we need to send you to like some training course to learn about how to act around adults around anyone. Would you maybe tell Neelix to calm down? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he wasn't, he wasn't like trying to fight. I wouldn't tell him to call. This is a different type (laughs) of thing. This is more like Neelix, you need to go talk to HR because HR is going to put you through some training. It felt like in the office when they went to, when Michael was at the Diwali party. Yeah. yeah. Just no, no understanding of Uh the meaning of anything. Right, but he, yeah, I mean, this is like put him on a performance improvement plan type of behavior, mm-hmm. in my opinion. This week, we also watched Adventure Time Season 3, Episode 9, Fiona and Cake. The titular Fiona, voiced by Madeline Martin, and Cake, voiced by Roz Ryan, a human girl and her cat, replace Finn and Jake as they battle the Ice Queen, voiced by Gray Delisle, to save Prince Gumball, voiced by Neil Patrick Harris, and the Candy Kingdom. In the midst of the Ice Queen's latest plan, Fiona must also reconcile her feelings for Prince Gumball and also come to terms with who she is. And Season 3, Episode 10, What Was Missing? 
Finn beatboxing, Jake playing viola, Princess Bubblegum playing bemo as an 8-bit instrument, and Marceline playing bass guitar form a band in order to defeat the Door Lord and recover what the creature had stolen from them. Top to bottom, this episode was very good. So good. Uh, Sarah, I'm really curious about your take on this episode for a whole bunch of reasons, but I thought it had an interesting relationship with, at least at the end, fan culture. Um, I mean, I don't know about all that. Mainly, I, I, I did write down watching it like i thought i love this type of thing just like alternate universe stories that are inside the universe like it's just really cool um i did write down because like i so when we saw that uh intro on accident in that other episode i looked up what the deal was with this so i had read that it was like a, a nice king fan fiction thing and um i so I was a little bit more forgiving of the fact that it was this like romance story because I was kind of like, I don't like love that they decided to make it a big, you know, romance thing where Fiona has this big crush on. I mean, because but like I, it was just kind of like a focus on that. But I was also like, OK, I know it's a fan fiction thing and that's a big part of what fan fiction is, is stories like that. And I don't think that they wouldn't have done something like that with Finn because they have been, you know, <laughs> doing those types of stories. So it wasn't like completely out of place. But then at the end, like her realization that she's like, I don't need to wait around to be seen or whatever she was saying. I really liked that. Mm -hmm. And that then, of good. course, it takes like a big left turn into like, but I would love to do <laughs> yeah. the ice skating. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, all right, here it is. That, that's a, that was the interesting part. It's like that was a like really good wrap up to her arc where she asked, yeah, she was like, I don't need I don't need to feel like I'm waiting to be noticed. I know who I am and I know what I want. I'll, <laughs> I'll know what I want if and when it ever comes along. And yeah. then knowing that's ice king is like where did that moment of lucidity for ice right. king come along? yeah but i do really love that sentiment because that's like kind of how i've finally gotten to that point in my life personally where that's kind of how i'm approaching everything mm. and so it was just cool to see that uh reflected in this child's cartoon <laughs> so <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean i think that's again like what we've talked about with like presenting those ideas to younger audiences because right. like that message is not what gets you know told in a lot of childhood mediums looking at you yeah. disney yeah. um right. there's so much messaging about like find your true love especially if you're a girl find some mm -hmm. find a, a person a man to settle down with Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah i think it was really like awesome to have that be the message and then hopefully it's not too invalidated by the fact that it immediately turns into an ice <laughs> king joke i mean it was funny but i also yeah it was it, it, it is a good question like why is that what he wrote in his fan fiction mm -hmm. <laughs> but i mean good for him i guess it's almost like he was writing it and he was like this is really this is really good and she's having this great realization and then he was like but wait a second! I'm the Ice King. I have to do something that I nice that the Ice King would do. Right. So, <laughs> and then they and then they both decided that they wanted to date the Ice King. Uh -huh. So dreamy. He is dreamy. He, I love that emaciated look. God, <laughs> with the big billowy mm -hmm. robe oh, over he pull, it. He pulls off that uh, oh, bandage diaper so well. <laughs> oh my mm. god! God, you just want to peel that back one step at a time <laughs> and find out what's underneath there, don't you? Ooh. Oh God, I bet it's shriveled. Um, 
Yeah, this is like the fifth time I've seen this episode, and it always the, those moments to me I always read is like the Ice King just slipping them in because it's fanfic, the the romance parts, because there's so many little great character bits, like when I uh, um uh what's his name, Prince Bubblegum, Prince Prince Bubblegum, Prince, Prince Gumball, Prince Gumball. Thank you. Prince Gumball gives her the flowers and she's like, oh, flowers, great. And then there's like the sword inside. And she's like, yeah, yeah sword. Uh-huh. And she just like throws the flowers away. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That and like when she has the, the dress for the ball, she's like, how am I supposed to put my weapons yeah. in this? Right. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was cool too. Like even though like it was kind of a quote unquote love story, she was still like herself through all of it. Yeah. The other unsettling part is... You know, at the end, Fiona and Kate clear their love for Ice King. Is Does that mean that, are we supposed to take that that's what he is, thinks of Finn and Jake? That's a good question. <laughs> mm. I do not know. Or like if it. it was just something where it turns into a, a way to make them his friends or people who like him mm-hmm. more than they like. Like people who like him more than he likes them instead of being the other way around. I did like the part when they're getting ready for the date and Fiona's like, if it's a date, then why are you coming to the cat? (laughs) And I was like, I wrote down, I would love to bring my cat on a date. (laughs) That sounds great to me. Ingrid would not be into it, but... And then Prince Gumball brings uh, Lord Monochromicorn. Lord Uh Monochromicorn. He speaks in Morse code. Morse code. That was so funny. Did you guys look up what he said in those parts i didn't i did not either but i did enjoy i, I didn't even really think about it because cake's reaction to it is so funny uh cake the yeah. cat by the way plays the hammered dulcimer which i guess is a gender of stringed instruments i just love how thorough ice king's fan fiction is <laughs> about how <laughs> yep swapping everybody's gender like we didn't they didn't have lines but like you saw the lumpy space prince and then who or whatever marceline is probably like mark or something <laughs> floating around uh all right lord monochromia monochromicorn says hey to cake and that's what gets her all excited <laughs> and then the second time he's he, he says ice but he spells it with an s <laughs> <Okay. laughs> all right Sure. I like that. I really enjoyed that regardless of gender, like Bubblegum and Gumball are both like totally amoral. Like the very beginning when he's like doing that experiment, like, don't worry, they can't talk. And then it like starts speaking and he just covers its mouth and says, yeah, I love all that. The darker (laughs) they can make uh, Princess Bubblegum and Prince Gumball, the more I enjoy them. Mm hmm. To take something that looks so like soft, cute and like harmless and then make it an evil genius is always just an enjoyable yeah enjoyable thing and what could be softer and more harmless than bubblegum oh and i forgot to mention this is a uh, rebecca sugar storyboarded episode uh who of course would go on to create steven universe nice she has a very particular style the way that fiona is drawn uh is very like how she does a lot of her work uh, you can she has a few other characters in the episode that come out that i really enjoy also did y'all sp- see uh male tree trunks no no i did That's see fe- i did see female cinnamon bun i love female cinnamon bun <laughs> female cinnamon bun is great no there's a male tree trunks uh, I'll, I'll post a picture of it he uh has like a transparent green poker visor and a mustache <laughs> <laughs> there's also some really lovely animation of uh 
Fiona like facial stuff and then Fiona fighting the ice queen in the bedroom that I just thought was really really lovely it looked like somebody hadn't just like done keyframes on it had actually gone through and hand animated it all and knowing Rebecca Sugar's work and seeing some of the stuff she's done in preparation for Steven Universe that she was probably her she's a really amazing artist and animator I'm a huge fan of her work I thought all of the character designs were very cute and good. Fiona and Cake are adorable. Ice King, Ice Queen is not horrifying the way that Ice King is, and I I do like that. Given that it's Ice King's fanfic, that he like made Ice Queen like super powerful, like oh yeah. than he yeah. actually is full full on Mary sued himself back into uh-huh. being cool. Uh-huh. Um, Finn has a lot of private time with the uh, Bubblegum's lock of hair. How do we feel about that? kind of weird <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know what else you can say about that besides that it's weird <laughs> i like he like checks like everywhere to make sure he's by himself it, it doesn't feel lascivious at all it's just sort of like he knows what he's about to do is really embarrassing and so he uh just uh making sure nobody's around and then boom jake is right there uh-huh it's how it works isn't it you're like yeah. You look around in case, just in case, because you think you're doing something embarrassing, and then all of a sudden, the one person you don't want to be there is there for some reason. Your brother. It was, it was like when I was recording any of the songs for the show, and I kept having to peek out the door and make sure no one was actually there or had entered <laughs> the house. And then Bjorn sits up from the tub. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Jake already knew about it because they're roommates, which is really upsetting um did y'all notice that jake was just drawn a little bit larger this entire episode for some reason uh only when he was the punk punk dog (laughs) (laughs) the whole time he's like a head taller than finn is which was just i found it really weird and hilarious because it's never explained and it's totally unmotivated it's just because that's just how jake wanted to be in that moment yeah right and that's what's so fun with his characters like there doesn't have to be motivation because he can just be whatever Uh uh-huh yeah, and it's not an inconsistency because he can just do that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the boy can just make himself big. Doorlord is great. That guy must do crazy squats. Um, <laughs> the emotional part of this episode I thought was really great. I thought it was so cool to just get a little taste of the history between Bubblegum and Marceline. Mm-hmm. I mean, and- any episode with Marceline is always good, yeah. especially like when she gets to like do any song, and this one really had a lot of impact to it. There's just always so much emotion behind when Marceline is like leading leading a scene, and then especially when it's a song, like a song forward scene. So it just really played to that kind of strength. So it was a great, great bit of television. The, the song was really great. Um, I, I really, I adore that, uh, Finn mistakes the rock t-shirt as Marceline's and it's because it was a gift for bubblegum. I love that. And whatever Very band cute. that was looks kick-ass by the way. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I thought it was really cool with the door. Like, you know, there's the whole like, yeah, we need you to open the door, whatever. Like you need to play a song as a band or whatever. But it turned out more to be like, it's not like about you performing a song well. It wanted a honest yeah a true to life song all about making them closer as friends well yeah just like having having a honest meaning behind your song i mean like you see that in marceline's son where she starts to like pivot like she realizes like she's like oh i'm being too vulnerable with this song so now i'm gonna like pivot back to just being angry and then the door stops reacting to it Mm -hmm. 
I really like Bubblegum circuit bending BMO and then like screwing up and BMO <laughs> catches on fire. I was like, oh no, BMO. Yeah, BMO <laughs> didn't seem like he was having a great time in this one <laughs> yeah. for that part. Well, he like, I, didn't, be- I didn't ask to become an instrument in this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, can we just. They seemed okay with yeah. it at first. And then did he? Because he went, "Oh my face!" Well, but then he was, <laughs> they, 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 they were, they were laughing when, they, like, when Bubblegum was playing him, they were laughing the whole time. Well, he was kind of smi- uh, like frowning. So I was, I was worried about him as all. Well. And then also the fact that Finn is like, the, "I'm with my best friend, it's my these two girls and this dog," and I'm like, "Bimo is also there." <laughs> How dare you forget Does he Bimo? Not count? I really like Jake as the the bad boy of the band. Yes. His jerk face when he pulled like pulled it in was very funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, and then he like runs off. He's like, I'm quitting the band. And he's like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm doing it for a bit. It's just a joke. Yeah. Um, do you know that Bimo is canonically a non-binary character? I mean, it makes sense. They're a robot. Very cool. This episode is very funny too. Lots of good visual jokes. Like when the door lord, when they finally get the door open and you think they're going to talk to the door lord and then it's just a smash cut to him being beaten and tied up. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. It was the classic, the real music was the friends we made along the way, and then, yeah, the smash cut. <laughs> like, and then, stealing is still wrong. We uh, still are pissed at you, so here's a knuckle sandwich. But we need to address the fact that Marceline was only there because she wanted to hang out with her friends. Oh, yeah. And the door lord did not steal anything from her. She was just like, oh, what's up, what's up Finn, Jake, and Bubblegum? Bubble I'm going to be here, too. And he did run through her house and end up with her getting kind of burned (laughs) so maybe she was also just mad at him which would be valid but yes she didn't have to stay there that long yeah she just wanted to hang out with the well she wanted to hang out with bubblegum clearly and then she's all right with finn and jake so might as well all right do we have any connections this week i mean i know you do i know (laughs) you do sarah ben do either of you have connections this week nope no all right, well, then I'm going to go first, Nathan, because I host the podcast, so there. <laughs> uh, in both episodes, understanding someone else's feelings and thinking led to deeper understandings of them, for, for good and for ill. All right, Nathan, what you got for us? Uh, it was along similar lines where, yeah, Tuvok had to overcome his anger issue with the help of his friends, just like Finn had to help his friends overcome their anger at each other. I'm glad I went first. Yes. <laughs> I win this one. Um, and then I I mean, I guess we could call the uh two the Tuvox um his time in the uh holodeck technically could be fanfic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'd call I that fanfic. Could call it that. Yeah. A fan fiction where he gets to kill Neelix. Mm-hmm. It's a fan fiction many of us have written. <laughs> Well, Ice Queens, join us next week as we watch Star Trek Voyager Season 2, Episode 17, Dreadnought, and Adventure Time Season 3, Episode 11, Apple Thief, and Episode 12, The Creeps. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Voyager Time, uh, Facebook, Voyager Time, just look it up. Uh, email us if you have questions or want to get in touch with us for any reason, VoyagerTime at gmail.com, and join our Discord, the Link is in the show notes. Love to have you. In the meantime, we'll just wait for you here. By the mausoleum. With our backs turned. And our defenses, defenses lowered. Come along with me.
talking about Voyager season 2 episode 16 meld crewman Lon Suter played by Blat <laughs> Blad the Dorif <laughs> <laughs> perfect today we're talking about Voyager season 2 sorry I, I shouldn't have done the vampire voice that's how I want it today we're talking about the Voyager season 2 episode 16 meld